So if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Philippians 2. And it's verses 1 to 11. So it's Philippians 2, 1 to 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement for being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Now depending on what, just a wee pause here, depending on what translation you've got, it will say there, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Right? It might say that in your translation. Another NIV translation says something to be used to his own advantage. So just a wee difference there. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is God's word in me. He bless it to our hearts tonight. I start sort of speaking about the scripture here. There's a wee thing I, I feel I need to say about this particular piece of scripture. It's very, all scripture special, but this is very, this is a very, very amazing piece of scripture. This is a piece of scripture that gives us a view into the mind of Jesus. It talks about his mindset. Have you ever thought about that? How did Jesus think? You know, we know how he acted, we know what he believed in different things, but his actual mindset, and this scripture does that. And it's, it, it's such a privilege for us as Christians to be able to, for God to reveal that, for God to reveal his very own mind, his private thoughts about something for us to see. As Paul says, the mindset of Jesus Christ. So just as we come to that, there's, there's a wee bit of, I think there's a wee bit of special reverences needed when, you, when you're at this bit of the scriptures. It's just a, it's an incredible piece of scripture. Now, in this passage here, Paul calls us to, to unity. There's a big encouragement here. And the outworking of it is unity. He actually calls us to have the mindset of Jesus. But his end result from that is that he wants unity in the church. Unity is so important for groups of people if they want to achieve their goal. 
If they want to achieve their goal and their purpose, unity is essential. Be it an army, be it a business, be it a church. I only need to say one name tonight. Jeremy Corbyn. How much unity has that boy got in his gang? We're not being political here. But he's struggling to achieve his purposes. His group is struggling to achieve these purposes because there's so much disunity among people who are supposed to have a like-mindedness. Now it just happens to be at this point in time, it's that fella. As you look back through all the years, all the politics, all the different political parties at one time or another go through a massive times of disunity. The, 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 the shop floor people don't like the leaders, the leaders don't like the shop floor, they don't like each other, then those groups don't like each other. And eventually, usually, that group falls. It fails. We know the scripture says a house divided against itself shall surely fall. And Paul's calling us here. He's calling us to, he's encouraging us, you know how much calling us, he's encouraging us to have a unity of mind. If you look in verse 2 here, then make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. And do you know what's quite amazing about this? Paul is writing this while he's under arrest. He's in Rome, right? It's roughly about 62 AD. He's in Rome. And he's under arrest. He's waiting trial and execution. The executioner's at the end date for him. And he's writing a letter to a church in Philippi. If you want to know where Philippi is, it's... Greece, <laughs> Greece goes up and a, a, there's a big bit of Greece there, then there's a big bay, and then you go down into Turkey. Philippi's just right on that top bit of the bay. It's just right up there. It's in Greece, right? Still there to this day, and it's quite, it's quite a big historical site. Paul, in 62 AD, is in prison. Well, he's not in prison. He's under house arrest. He's waiting for trial, which is going to end in his death. And his primary concern is that the church in Philippi is united there with her. He says there, you know, make my joy complete. You'll make me happy. You know, you're thinking that his joy would be complete if a guy came and said, by the way, all charges have been dropped, he'll let go. And he's not interested. His purpose is God's purpose. That the church in Philippi is united. And do you know, for Christians to be united is a good thing. It's a great gospel witness. Right? There's nothing worse, and we all know it. If you're, if you're a Christian, you know this. When a Christian says one thing, and does another. It's a terrible gospel witness. And it's the same if Christians are saying, we're a church, and we, we are a brotherhood, a sisterhood, a fellowship, and we all love one another. And somebody comes into that fellowship, and they get behind the counter, and before they know it, they see all these people arguing. A disunited church is a very unhappy place, and some of us have had experience of that. And it's a bad, bad gospel witness. Right? When personalities and characters and issues all get in play. And Paul is very, very concerned about this. Not that there's a particular problem in Philippi in the church, it's just his experience with all the churches that he's had to deal with. There's people all been doing power plays. And he's very, 
he's very concerned about it. And so he's calling the church in Philippi, he's calling them to be of one mind. Don't be disunited, be of one mind. And he's not just calling the church to be of one mind, because you can often hide behind that. You know, I'm calling the church to be of one mind. Ah, well, he's not really talking to me, he's talking to the, you know, the anonymous church. He's actually calling the individuals, the messages to the individuals in the church. Right? It says it there, um, if you look at verses 4 and 5, let each of you, he means each individual in the church, he's not talking to the leaders of the church, he's not talking to the big boy, he's talking to everybody individually, each of you. Verse 4, verse 5, have this in mind among yourselves. Each is among yourselves. I'm calling every single one to unity, to be of one mind. And the question is, if somebody says to me, listen, I want you to be united and I want you to be of one mind with your brothers and sisters. The first question I'm asking them is, is and what mind would that be? What kind of mind do you want that to be? And he doesn't hesitate to show them. Paul calls us a selfless and a humble mind no one that's argumentative no one that's pushy no one that's bossy no one that's domineering it's a selfless and a humble mind verse 3 and 4 do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit rather in humility value others above yourself not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of the others now note what he's saying here he's no calling everybody to think exactly the same thing don't think exactly the same thing he's saying have a type of thinking that regardless of what you're thinking what you're thinking isn't selfish and it's humble that's what he's asking them to do. He's not asking them to be robots. He's asking them just to make sure that anything they're deciding to do, or say, or act upon, doesn't have a selfish motive, and it's humble. Whatever that is. Now, the strange thing is, is usually when you say to people, particularly us Christians, eh, you need to be humble, and you need to be a bit... We got a bit... Yeah, a wee bit of our back gets up because the truth is, is like all human beings we all generally think to ourselves it's what is personal I mean, we're, we're okay, we're sort of nice we? I've got enough humility and enough selflessness to sort of get by and the world likes me and, and it's sort of, I'm okay with God as well in that level we all sort of in our own mind which begs the question if we are selfless and if we are humble what is Paul calling them to do that for? To be like that for? Why does he feel the need to remind them they have to be like that? The question is, is the reality is, is, we can kid ourselves of how humble and how selfless we really are. We can even do it, we can hide what appears to be a selfless act behind a selfish motive. We can do it. Human beings are great at it. No, just Christians. Human beings. Here's a, wee, here's a wee run for you, right? So if you think you're completely selfless, right? I'll include myself in this. So if I say you tonight, it means me as well. <laughs> it doesn't mean you and not me. 
So we'll do a wee test here to see how, to, 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 to get a view of where we're mindset. I don't want a show of hands here, right? So you don't need to show hands, just answer the question in your head. If there's anybody in here as a, a voter for, I don't know, the Labour Party, would you ever vote Conservative? Is there anybody in here who's probably a, what would you call it? They don't believe in royal families, they're republics, they're a Republican, right? Do you ever think there's come a time when you would vote to give the royal family a complete tax break? The royal family would never have to give tax, pay taxes. Do you think you would vote for that? <laughs> Can you feel it? <laughs> See, this is how there might come a time when you need to be selfless and give the people a tax break. <laughs> Could you do it? No. Let's bring it to me, but more of an earthy one. Would you give a refugee family your house and move into a hostel? Indefinitely. Would you? Now, when, they're answering them, when we're answering them, these questions in the, the silence of our own minds, it's sort of quite easy, isn't it? We can sort of hide in there. But we all know with the discomfort, because when I was preparing this, I had to ask myself those questions. And I was not comfortable with my honest response. Right? And those questions give us an indication of how selfless we really are. I would probably say they actually give us an indication of how selfish we actually are. That we're not prepared to do certain things. And that's not a position, a good position for a Christian. Because God may call you to do some things that you really, really, really do not want to do. You just need to look back at Moses. Moses, go back into Egypt where you came from and bring my people that know me. I've had enough of that place. I don't want to go back there. So as Christians, those questions sort of show us how selfish we are. Now, the good thing is, is Paul's not telling us to have this selfish and humble mind. He's encouraging us because he knows we're human beings. And he knows we don't just switch from being selfish to selfless. He's encouraging them. That's what he's called us to the people in Philippi. Have selfless and humble minds to create unity in your church. And the strange thing is, is as human beings, we quite like seeing humility when it's exhibited. We like, we, we do, it gives us that, we feel that there's something right about it. Again, I give you an idea. When, as human beings, see when we see somebody from a lofty position in society and life, when they step down from that position, everybody all goes, did you, did you see that? That was... I, mean, I don't know if it was quite a while ago, I think he still does it. But I believe that the Pope, for a long, long time, the guy that's there now, unbeknown to anyone, 
used to dress as an ordinary priest late at night and go out into the streets of Rome and feed the homeless. The Pope. The only guy who knew about it was his personal bodyguard. Even on the security in the Vatican, didn't he know? Well, you ask how good is the security? <laughs> if he's getting away with that. Right? So when we see, and everybody, people who are not Roman Catholic, just general people who are non-believers, everything went, that's pretty decent. That's quite impressive, that, that guy. He's this big, powerful man, and yet he still feels the call to, he dresses as an ordinary priest, and he gets it. Even, even when we did, so, Dennis, remember when the, when the Olympic Games was on? And the Queen done a thing with James Bond. Right? And everybody was also delighted that the Queen took time out of her really regal life to have a wee joke and carry on. She'd done it for the Invictus Games as well, and everybody was like, that's really. Imagine that big high up person coming out to have a bit of fun for us. We get a warm feeling. We get nice. We feel there's something about when a human being humbles himself. It does bring a great response. And do you know, that's what Paul's calling us to do. He's calling us in this, in this, in this chapter to look at the greatest, the greatest act of humbling and humility and selflessness creation has ever seen. He's calling us to look as an example, for an example, at the one who has humbled himself the most out of the whole of creation, who has stepped the biggest step down and suffered the greatest humiliations. That's what Paul's the person he's asking us to look at. <coughs> because what he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. I'm going to just pause here. The translation that I've got says something to be used to his own advantage. Your translation that's sitting there might say he did not consider equality with God, being God, something to be grasped. Right? And I'm going to explain what the two things mean. They don't contradict each other. It's just different translators use different versions. The NIV, or one of the versions of the NIV, because it uses something to be used to his own advantage. And the, the English Standard Version of the Bible says that Jesus did not consider being God was something that had to be grasped and held on to. See that we hold on to our ideas? I'm a Labour voter, I'll never vote Tory. I'm a this, I'll never do that. I'm a this, I'll never do that. Jesus never ever once said, I am the Son of God. I will never put that to the side. Jesus said, I am the Son of God. I will put that to the side for the glory of my Father. He was prepared to step down the biggest step that any person could ever step. And that's what Paul's shown us as an example of humility is.
what we'll do and what I'll do here is the ESV says that Jesus did not consider equality with God though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped he saw being God in terms of somebody else which was his father And he was prepared to let go of that being the son of God for his father. Now, he didn't stop being God when he came to earth. That's often people have that difficulty. Right? When the father asked him to come here, or when the Trinity decided Jesus would come here, you need to put to the side being the son of God. He didn't stop being the son of God. Just look when the Pope took off all his Pope gear and put on a priest's outfit. He didn't stop being the Pope. He was still the Pope. And when Jesus came to earth, he was still God. But he took on a lowly, lowly form. A human being's form. Now, in the big scale of things, human beings are way down the list. We're even below the angels in heaven. Think about that. We're below the angels in heaven. And Jesus says, well, look, he didn't turn around his father and say, well, father, listen, I can do this work for you, but I'll need to do it as an angel. Or I'll need to do it as, at least with some of my powers, as the son of God. He said, how do I need to do this? And he says, you need to do this as one of the created. You need to do my will as one of the created. And that's what Jesus done. And he just didn't come to earth as a human being, he came to earth as a holy human, as a, a lowly human being. God came to earth as a lowly human being, unlike the Jews of the Old Testament who said, when the Messiah comes, he'll come as a human being, but he's going to be a king. He's going to be regal, and he's going to have armies, and he's going to have power, and he's going to do this. Jesus says, no. He came as a carpenter. That's how far he was prepared to humble himself. I thought when I was preparing this, I remember looking at it and thinking, what did the angels think when they were looking down? The prince of heaven. Our prince is in a stable. We smelly animals and, and people want to kill him. I was looking at it and I was thinking this I wonder the angels didn't come out of heaven and descend upon this earth and raise it to the ground that their prince was in this lowly, lowly, lowly state that's the level of humility that Jesus Christ is prepared to go that's the mindset of Jesus I won't go there I won't go there. I won't go there. Father, how low do you need me to go? He says, I need you to go this low, low my son. And that's where he went. He obeyed his father. And do you know, he made of himself nothing says it in there the mindset that Paul is calling to us is the mindset of Jesus the mindset of Jesus in verse 7 says he made of himself 
nothing. The actual verb, for the, the Greek verb, verb for it means he emptied himself. He emptied himself of all his godly powers. He didn't stop being God. They were just hidden. They would not be used. That's what he done. And that's what Paul's trying to say to us. You need to make of yourself nothing when you stand in the will of God. You can't have barriers that say, no, I won't do that. If you say you are a Christian and you are in Christ, if we say that, there is no line that we can say, I am not doing that. We don't have one because Jesus never had one. And do you know something? He didn't just surrender his heavenly glory, his heavenly status as the Son of God. He just didn't do that. And all its trappings, and all its power. He surrendered his godly immortality. God is eternal. He's immortal. Jesus gave that up. And he just didn't give it up as in, okay, I'll do your will, Father. Let me die as an old man in my bed. He gave it up to die on a cross for the glory of the Father, for the Father's purposes. And do you know what hammers at home? You would think, okay, that's the end. You can't humble yourself anymore. You've not only come from heaven, you've not only taken on the status of a created creature, you've taken on the lowliest status within that created creature bracket. You have committed yourself to death. Death had no power over Jesus. It only had the power that he gave it. He was prepared to die. Not only was he prepared to die, he was prepared to die on a cross. The most humiliating form of death for anyone at that time. It was a humiliating death. He took that. And you might say, that's the end. As he died on that cross. He took the abandonment of the one he served. His father turned the way fell. His father turned the way fell. The one he had served, the one for whom he was prepared to go to any length, turned the way fell. That's how humble he was. And I think the bit, there's two parts that, that, that drive it home. Is when it says in Matthew's Gospel, and about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
He's went through all this. He's left heaven for through all this. And in the last but the one he serves, he has experienced his abandonment. And in a worldly sense, <laughs> the humiliation doesn't finish in a worldly sense there. Because you know, they even gambled away his clothes at the bottom of the cross. As he died, they sat at the bottom of the cross. They removed every last trace of that man. He gambled out his clothes. All that was left was a corpse. That's, that's how far Jesus is prepared to humiliate himself for us. how much he loves you that's how selfless he is I don't love you this much there is no end to how much I love you and that's the mindset that Paul is calling us to have the mindset of Jesus that there is no limit that what you will do for God the Father. You can still vote Conservative or Labour or whatever you want, right? That doesn't come into it. But when it comes to the Father's will, you cannot, you must have the mindset of Jesus. You cannot put a limit on it. You might say, I mean, that's, it's all very well, me standing here and reiterating the call of Paul or the encouragement of Paul to have the mindset of Jesus. And the reason he's asking us and he's linking that selfless, humble mindset to unity. People who are selfless and who are humble don't get into Issues of I must win. I must be right. It's my way. Or no way. They don't do that. Humility and selflessness kills arrogance. It kills. Humility kills pride. It kills bossiness. It kills political power plays. It kills it all dead. And that's what he's calling us to. Be like Jesus. Have the same, everyone individually have the mindset of Jesus. That will create the unity. That's where the, hum, the unity comes from. He may ask, what does the mindset of Jesus have? What does it look like in real terms? New beginnings, Moody's Burn, 2016. That's great. That's the church in Philippi in AD 62. We know what that looks like. What does it look like today? Well, it can take it can take many forms, but when I was thinking about particularly in relation to this fellowship here, it's without a doubt this fellowship's been called to bring the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, 
to the village and area, Moody's burn in the surrounding areas. There's no doubt about that. You just need to look at what's happening. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind. We have been called to bring that good news. But to bring that good news, you've got to reach it. You've got to go out that door. And you've got to go into all the houses. And you've got to meet the people. And you've got to talk to the people. And you've got to reach out to everybody. And that's when your problems start. That's when the problems start. Because we all know churches and places where we can be a fellowship and we can just hide in here and we'll, we'll, all just, we'll just do our own wee thing in here and we won't engage and, and nothing will happen. And we'll be safe. And this is how we do things and we're never going to do it any other way. This fellowship is clearly not like that. It's reaching out to people. And it feels like quite a new thing. I mean, I'm only here new. I don't know, but it feels very powerful that it's happening. But it's when those, that reaching out brings challenges. That is the point where our personalities start getting involved. Of how we should do things. What we want. How it should be done. Things like that. And let's be clear about one thing. There's a power in this world called Satan. Who when we reach out will do everything in his power to disrupt it. And the first place he'll go for is any division that's between us. To make God's work and the transference of the good news crumble. It's when we reach out. See when you're sitting with the good news amongst each other. The devil doesn't care. Because he knows it's not gone anywhere. When you reach out, that's when the disunity and the division has the potential to arise. And what Paul was saying is, have the mindset of Jesus before that comes. Don't reach out with the good news and still be carrying over what we call it. We're, we're not selflessness. We're not humility. Work on that mindset now before we get to that place. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That of a humble servant in the service of God. That's what we've been asked today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to stand under, to sit under your word tonight. Your holy, precious word. Not only a guide, but on this occasion an insight into the mind of Jesus, your Son, the Son of God, who did not take equality with you, Father, as something to take advantage of, as something to be always held on to. He was prepared to put that to the side. To do your will, Father. What a glorious, glorious Saviour. Heavenly Father, we pray. We pray that you give us the insight and the strength as individuals in our lives and within this fellowship to have that mindset 
That selfless, selfless mindset that knows no end to the humility for service in God's work. We pray for that strength, Father. We pray for that humility. And we pray for that selflessness for others. Particularly at this time, Father, as our church reaches out into our community through various things. Through various projects and initiatives and outreaches. Protect us, Father. But remind us that we are responsible as individuals. We are called as individuals to have the mind of Jesus when dealing with each other and when dealing with others who would hear the good news, who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We ask you these things, Father, in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.